Welcome to Furry Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar swords and skillies. I'm your host, Ludmilanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Lucky Eevee, Striker, Python, and uh, Jordan. Today is our 54th episode, and it's the beginning of the Year of the Dragon, which is very important for this podcast in particular. And in order to celebrate, uh, we're discussing the 2022 movie, Minions, The Rise of Gru. So, let's get things started. It really is amazing with Illumination Entertainment how this was an animation company that came out of nowhere to become one of the biggest studios around. I don't think anyone was expecting Despicable Me to be as huge as it was, and from there, of course, it snowballed for to them uh, having multiple hit movies and becoming the uh, basically huge uh, animation studio that they are today. And I think it all started when they did Hop. Uh, well, well, me oh was their God, first Hop, Hop yeah. second, and yeah, Hop <laughs> is probably their worst movie. Their output as a whole, uh, to me, is uh, can be a lot of hit or miss, but they do have their moments. And regardless of you know how I feel about them, their movies make a lot of money. So a prequel to Despicable Me was inevitably going to happen. The first Minions, in my opinion, is kind of a mixed bag. Because, for me, the minions are characters that are probably best enjoyed in small doses. Like, I can handle minions broken up with other things. But in, like, the first minions, where we're just all minions all the time, they get really annoying. I think a good analogy would be uh, the Star Wars uh, Christmas special, where it's just like... Uh, it's, it starts with 20 minutes of just the Wookiees and Wookiee screams and growls and that. It gets really tedious after a while. I'm not saying the Minion movie is as bad as that, but I'm just saying that for me anyway. The Minions are characters that are best enjoyed, like, sporadically. Like, they, they can even be the focus. Like, you know, in, a, in this movie, they have more of a focus than they do in the Despicable Me franchise. But I still feel that there's a way that you could have balanced it between having them be center characters without them being annoying. And again, we're talking about the first one because the second, in my opinion, is a huge, huge improvement. That's what we're going to talk about today. Devil's advocate on the first Minions before we continue. Go ahead. Yeah, I do (laughs) understand that uh, having them be the central focus can be a little iffy, but honestly, most of their uh, higher effort jokes involving the Minions were there. Also, uh, Giving them character certainly helps, so, yeah. I mean, it's not perfect, but honestly, compared to what we got with the Despicable Me sequels, could be worse. Oh, and definitely, honestly, it's definitely. better. Yeah, yeah, some of the uh, Despicable Me sequels were uh, not as good. Although, surprisingly, they did get Trey Parker in the third one to play that, uh, you know, villain. Oh, very, very brat. Uh, yeah. casting choice there, considering that's the only... I think the only non-South Park animated thing he ever did, or, you know, South Park, you know, Team America, that kind of thing, it's the only thing he did animated that wasn't made by him. So it's very interesting. But, yep, now let's uh, talk about uh, this movie. And one thing I always liked with Illumination, even, like, their bad movies, I give them credit for how their logos are different with every single movie. That is something that is a really, really cute touch, and I don't know if they're going to keep on doing it. I mean... Suppose they make, like, you know, 50-plus movies. Are they still going to find time to make a unique logo for each one? 
But I mean, still, honestly, honestly th- yeah. It would be cool if they did. It would be cool if they did. I really hope that they do because it's a lot of fun. Uh, this uh, Illumination logo has a minion get caught in the logo, which changes the word <laughs> Illumination to minion and has a <laughs> disco theme because it's set in the 1970s, which is a nice touch. Yep, and before it was the 1960s, where everyone was either high in Vietnam or both, honestly. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> 70s is, is the hangover of that. So anyways. Yeah. So yeah, this uh, this movie takes place in uh, 1976 and begins with a heist taking place. The heist is performed by uh, Belle Bottom, who is one of the main members of the Vicious Six. She's mm. basically a parody of uh, Pam Greer, who was a big star of the... Uh, Black exploitation genre of the 1970s movies like uh, Foxy Brown and stuff like that. She was the woman who starred in nine out of ten of those movies. It was her. And you can tell it's trying to be like a parody of that kind of character. And they do it really well. Uh, the whole chase sequence with her and the anti-villain league is a lot of fun with really fun animation in general. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But Illumination Entertainment, <clears throat> one thing I can never fault them for is how good their animation is. Because they, I feel like in almost every movie, they always, always put out the stops in, in a lot of ways. Oh, with the oh exception yeah. Of Hop, but Hop was kind of, um, you know, growing <clears throat> steps, I suppose. Ugly baby face. Ugly baby face. Yeah, yeah, that too, that too. So she ends up evading the police and she heads into a record store, which turns out to be a front for their secret headquarters. It turns out that the item that she stole was a map, as the rest of the group cheer over this. We get really nice touch with a Tarantino-esque title cards, which is a lot of fun. And mm. the Vicious Six in general, they I feel like it's its kind of a catch-22 because there's so much fun and they're so well-designed. I kind of wish they were in this movie just a little bit more. Granted, they are fantastic. They, when they are on screen, they all shine completely. But I oh. just feel like if we just had like maybe 10, 15 more minutes to share with these guys, it would have been perfect. But regardless, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely like uh, how they did and they got really great actors to uh, play them. They got uh, oh, Danny yeah. Trejo, Dolph Lundgren, a.k.a. Uh, best known for being Yvonne Drago in the Rocky franchise, Lucy Lawless, a.k.a. Xena, and uh, Bell Bonds is played by uh, Tarnage uh, P. Henson. But then there's one that I think is probably my favorite, is uh, Jean-Claude Jean Van Damme. Yeah, who is a <laughs> man John with a lot Claude. of off in her hand, is voiced by Jean-Claude Van Damme. I, I bet that is the only reason that they ca- that they actually made that character is because they got him and they're like, well, we got to use him. And I, yeah. I, I guess we got to be thankful that they got Jean-Claude Van Damme because I don't want to think how it would have been if they got Steven Seagal for it. Oh, minions. boy. I don't like the way you're looking at me, minions. I know uh, keto. I'm going to kill uh, you, minions. I'm going to uh, kill you. Because I'm better than you, because I'm Steven Seagal. Oh, boy, imagine oh, if they did. No, oh, not no. him. I just, I just had to do that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had, I had to you're do that. You're fine, you're fine. Right. I'm just thinking, like, oh, God, but, yeah, not him. No, no But, yeah, no. I really do I like uh, some of their uh, clever names and uh, themes that go along with that. I mean, Vengeance is a little bit of an, an oddball, even with the whole spiked uh, freaking roller skate thing uh, and his name, which... Okay. I think that was I a do reference like... to a movie that was out in around the same time, uh, Rollerball, with uh, James Caan, 
what it is. It's a future dystopian movie where they play this game that's like a hockey on roller skates with a giant silver ball, and they kill all the competitors. It's kind of like a Death Race 2000 type of movie. Oh, uh, so they're basically it all like uh, parodies yeah. of like B movies from the 70s. Yeah, that, yeah. That's actually funny, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the evil nun was a parody of, like, the uh, nun exploitation movies, which did happen, believe it or not. Uh, the <laughs> 70s were wild. I don't know. Oh, man. But, yeah. Yeah. Now you get Stronghold, which yeah. exists. <laughs> but, yeah, no bonds and nunchuck uh, are easily my favorite. Also, Jean-Claude. <laughs> my, favorite are, yeah, my favorites are also uh, Belle and Jean-Claude. But, again, they're all fun. And we also get to see their leader, uh, Wild Knuckles, who is played by uh, Alan Arkin, best known for being, of course, in MASH. He was the uh, grandfather in Little Miss Sunshine, an iconic actor all around. This actually was his final movie, believe it or oh. not. Oh, uh, dang. Yeah. yeah, hey, he went out with a pretty good one. Kind of like how uh, Paul Newman's last movie was uh, Cars. Ooh. Okay, oh, yeah, that right. works. Yeah, okay. But it turns out that the map turns out to be leading to the Zodiac Stone, which gives them the power of the uh, Chinese Zodiac. There's a really cool transition effect here with the map zooming into the landscape where the stone is actually hidden. And again, this height sequence is just so well animated. I'd watch an entire movie of just like the Vicious Six pulling off various heists and stuff like that mm. because it hey, was a lot of fun. Minus uh, Alan Attic. Arkin, yeah, because he passed away. Alan, 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 yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. But anyway, right, right. But anyway uh, yeah. What happened is uh, basically uh, Wild Knuckles, he makes it into the lair by solving a puzzle and he nearly falls in some spikes. Just when he's about to grab the stone, a bunch of tiny guards made of gold armor begin attacking him. He gets the upper hand. Or just a thing. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. <laughs> I swear, yeah. I swear, the uh, the part where he folds in the map, it reminded me of a Mad Magazine. magazine. Yeah, I think that was an intentional reference. I definitely think uh. so too. Also, just one thing to correct the thing, uh, a little goof. Uh, Alan Arkin was not in Mash. That was Alan Alda. Uh, forgive me. Forgive yeah, me for Alan Alda. Uh, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, what happens is uh, these little tiny guards made of gold armor begin attacking him, and they have a really cool design too. Something like a. Uh, almost uh, Indiana Jones-esque while still being unique enough. And he ends up uh, basically destroying the guards and smashing them into pieces, grabbing the stone. He rides at the pedestal, and we get a really neat part where he rides up and he thinks he's going to go out, but then there's like thousands of those tiny golden guards all waiting for him, and they start attacking him. Basically, oh, uh, he, boy. Yeah, he calls in the rest of the uh, Vicious Six to save him, and they have a really cool-looking uh, hover car, and, yeah. and they use it throughout the movie, and it's a real fun design. He then uh, gives them the stone, and he just barely manages to hang on before, of course, being villains, the group betrays him, and Bell becomes the new leader of the Vicious Six. Jean-Claude cuts the rope with his lobster hand and causes Wild Knuckles to seemingly fall to his death. And then we get the opening credits. All of this that we were talking about were like the pre-credit sequence. And this, of course, is a spoof of James Bond, which probably would have sit would have uh, suited the first Minions just a little bit more. Maybe. Considering how it was set in the 60s and Bond was uh, more popular in the 60s, but he was still huge in the 70s. In fact, my uh, favorite Bond, Roger Moore, was in there. So it's oh. good. As opposed oh, yeah. to the Sean Connery uh, yeah. Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that era, by the way, yeah. since I'm a huge Bond fan. Yeah, same, same. My, my I'm not favorite the biggest is Bond fan. Never yeah, really yeah. watched yeah. much of his films. Anyway, 
But anyway, uh, it has a silhouette. The opening credits has a silhouette of uh, minions and Gru, as well as elements that come into play later on. And the fact that they even did this at all is a lot of fun. It's set to what I think is a uh, Chinese pop song, which again fits because of the whole Zodiac motif. It's pretty cool they did that. Mm, and indeed. yeah, like I say, it's just like being creative, even in this front, is one of the things that I do have to appreciate about Illumination Entertainment. Oh, I They're know, it's a uh, Push the envelope. Yeah, so then, it's very impressive. Yep. After the credits, we cut to an elementary school where we get to see a bored teacher asking her students what they want to be. There's a couple of really good, cute gags in the sequence. And one student says, oh, I want to be a teacher. And she replies, deadpan, trust me, you don't, is a good one. Another student <laughs> says, like, he wants to be a fireman that's president and drives a race car. Now, it's no football playing king in space, but that kid is going places. What was that supposed to reference again? Uh, SpongeBob, yo, Squidward, yo, uh, uh, SpongeBob, yo, I can be a king or a football player or an astronaut or a football, football player king, king, king in space. space. With a mustache. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice one. Yeah. Yeah. Gru, of course, uh, wants to be a villain, and he's busy drawing pictures of himself as a member of the Vicious Six. All the other kids basically laugh at him as Gru sulks and leaves the school. And we get to see all the other kids are picked up by their parents, but Gru only has the uh, th the minions, namely uh, Kevin Stewart and Bob, who were the main minions of the last movie. Oh, yeah. They ride uh, off on, our, yeah, on a rocket-powered motorbike, and they go to see Jaws. He clears out the theater with like a gas bomb, and then he watches the movie with the minions. And thank uh, one thing, Gru would be doing them a public service if instead of seeing Jaws, they were watching Jaws: The Revenge. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, yeah, that movie oh. is just terrible, absolutely terrible. Like, and of course, like, funny. And of yeah. course, like they would have right, rights to. Yeah, because it's universal. Thing. Exactly, universal exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It's funny that they don't even show any footage of Jaws, which, again, it was universal, so they probably could have easily done that. So uh, I guess it's just... Yeah, I guess probably, it was fine for just the reference. Yeah, yeah, I guess, it works. It works for what it is. So, yeah. <laughs> we get a little montage of Gru using the minions to cheat at arcade games, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And then he used, like, a cheese ray to go through a long line in an ice cream parlor. Because nice he does look similar, yeah. First movie, yeah, and the first yeah. movie he does it with a coffee shop. But then we get a reference that to me just feels so weird and arbitrarily placed. The guys, the guy at the counter does a reference to like you know he says, "Don't cheese me, bro," which is a reference to the you know infamous viral video, "Don't tase me, bro." The guy that you know got tased while get, like a, like a, at a lecture or something, he was yelling at the lecturer and he got tased. But the thing is, that's weird. Is that that viral video is al is almost like you know. 15, 16 years old, and yet it doesn't make sense to reference it in a movie set in the 70s. It feels like something that's like, oh, let's put in this reference to this meme that no one, yeah, you know... Yeah, it's, a, it's a kid's exactly. movie, so they'll reference memes all the time. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. It's like, it's not even a, a, it's not even like a relevant meme or anything that's like relevant to the situation. It's like, why don't you reference like all your base are belong to us next, you know? Yeah, exactly. Although, although I will say this, yeah. uh, I mean, if turning red could get away with freaking uh, referencing, you know, mass social media th things, yeah. despite being an early early two thousand set film, then yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Anyway, the part with the crew and the minions, especially teasing the members of a gym with all the ice cream, is just hilariously cruel. And again, it really suits for just how much of a jerk Gru is. And it really kind of shows how he becomes the Gru he is in the first movie. This is a prequel that I will say actually does it right. 
by expanding the uh, backstory of Gru. You know, it actually mm. does a decent job of basically telling us how he became the way he became by the time the first Despicable Me uh, takes place. Mm-hmm. So then Gru goes home and he uh, goes to the mail. Then he finds a cassette tape from the Vicious Six. He puts it in his mom's uh, car radio and it creates a hologram of Bell claiming that the Vicious Six has received his application and that a position is available, of course, because Wild Knuckles is presumably dead. The interview is tomorrow, and then we get the uh, this message will self-destruct gag, which has been in pretty much every single movie that has kind of a spy basis to it and is a comedy. They are going to do that gag, and you know, it's this one doesn't really do anything else to change it, but it, it, it just happens, I guess. But then we get a yeah. kind of adult joke because Gru tries telling his mother about the news and when he goes into her bedroom, we hear like grunting and groaning from outside. And of course, the joke is to adults, oh, it's supposed to be sex. But then he opens the door and she's just doing yoga with some uh, random guy. One thing yeah. It's a PG movie that you can get away with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What always amazes me is Gru's mother is Julie Andrews. And I never in a billion years would have ever thought that was Julie Andrews. She does a fantastic uh, job. Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's not like, like Shrek where uh, her she's basically still doing her Julie Andrews um, you know, voice and mannerisms that. And this is like something totally different. It, it is it is really, really well done. Absolutely. Also, uh, oh man, her being an all hippie phase back in the day. Yeah, that, uh, it does I mean, make sense. It does also make a lot of sense. Absolutely, she absolutely Very did like so, a yes. full-on yeah. kung fu phase in her yeah. like sixties or eighties or whatever. How old are she? Yeah. <laughs> yep. But anyway, uh, Gru is undeterred by this, and he goes to his uh, lab in the basement, which is a lot simpler compared to the other Despicable Me movies. And again, it's fun how we get to see how Child Gru still had a laboratory, but yeah, it was much more basic. And here we get uh, some good antics with the minions. Like I said earlier, a little of the minions go a long way for me, but I do like a lot of the gags. Like, I think my favorite is Gru walks through cement, the a minion repaves it, and then he runs to yell at Gru and he ran through the same cement. That's a gag that on paper doesn't sound funny, but it's something about the timing of it. It really, really Honestly, does Honestly, yes. Yeah. Beats it's modern It dies, holy shit. Yeah, it does. It really, really does. You're right. Shots fired. Yep. Uh. So Gru basically tells the minions that he has an interview with the Vicious Six and they all cheer for him. And that, it cuts to uh, that night. Gru can't sleep as he just stares at the Vicious Six poster in wonder. He hopes that he could be a part of the team. Uh, The three main minions uh, can't sleep and they call into Gru's bread. Must do his annoyance. Bread? (laughs) Sorry, not bed. Yes. Oh, God. Sorry about that. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. One thing thing about this franchise I like is its world building. How villains, for better or worse, are a major, major part of society. And again, it's one thing that I do like with the whole uh, world building of it because here we get a report from the Villain News Channel where Bell Bonds makes a statement claiming that uh, in three days, Chinese New Year will begin, and because they have the Zodiac Stone, they'll unleash the powers of the Zodiac to destroy the anti-villain league once and for all. It turns out that uh, Wild Knuckles is watching the broadcast, and he angrily destroys the TV before ranting to his henchmen. Uh, his henchmen all want to be paid, but he attacks them in response to this in a really fun bit of uh, animation. And again, like I say, just something about how the uh, slapstick in this movie works. They do a really good job at this. And I want to sound like a broken record here, but we'll talk more about uh, basically the slapstick of the movie later on because it does work out pretty good. 
We then yeah. cut to the uh, next day where Gru sings a parody of the song Bad Moon Rising while getting ready to meet the Vicious Six. Yeah. Uh, yep, Kevin, Stewart, and Bob want to join him, but then Gru uh, tells them his backstory that the Minions wanted to help him out after the events of the uh, first Minions with Scarlet Overkill and that. They wouldn't take no for an answer, and there's one part that actually really made me laugh just because it was a bit of a clever subversion. There's a part where the minions are all out shivering in the rain, and Gru, you know, lets them in out of pity. But it turns out they did this by using, like, a garden hose and a sprinkler to make it look like it was raining outside so they could join him. And that's just something that is, you know, I, I actually did not expect that. <laughs> that They set it up so that they would be part of uh, Gru's team. It's also so, funny because uh, in that same scene before that, he just like looks out, sees him like, and then he just like closes the door first, and then he sees the freaking uh, rain. <laughs> all of them out in the rain, like look with like like sad eyes and that. And again, yeah, it really works out good. Yeah, that gag, oh that that gag yeah. appears several times in this movie, and it's yeah, funny. yeah, it works, it works, yeah. So Gru basically tries telling them that there's lots of other villains out there, and he has to do this on this own, on his own, much to their dismay. But they all follow Gru as he heads to Criminal Records, and there we get to see a younger version of Dr. Nefario, who will later become Gru's uh, head scientist. He shows Gru his uh, sticky hand gun invention, then he tells him how to get to the Vicious Six by playing like a rec- sp- sorry, by playing a particular record backwards, and he tells him to remember him if he ever becomes famous. And then we get Gru drop down to the Vicious Six headquarters, and we get to see a lot of other villains waiting there as well. Now, we don't see these guys' names or what their personalities are, but just their designs are a lot of fun. You can tell that Mm -hmm. they had a lot of fun designing, you know, unique, like, villain designs. Like, you know, they made them all really unique, too. I think that worked out for the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It was really great. uh, Gru is eventually called in, and he approaches the uh, Vicious Six. Uh, his nervousness is pretty funny, and the Vicious Six are basically looking at him like, who the hell is this? Bell asks who let him in, and it turns out that Jean-Claude didn't think he was a kid. He thought he was just a very, very short man, which, again, yes. a pretty funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean. Yeah. And basically, uh, she, she asks, uh, uh, can a child be a villain? Then she shows him the Zodiac Stone. She basically dismisses him, and we get to see another villain enter. While they're distracted with the uh, other villain, Gru uses his sticky hand device to grab the stone and manages to get out of there. It turns out that Wild Knuckles is also watching him as Gru bumps into the minions who are waiting outside. Gru then uh, jumps on his bike with them, and we get to see the Vicious Six chase him and the rest of the minions out. And again, another really fun sequence. You know, with all like, uh, basically, uh, you have the cars being flipped over and that, and, you know, uh, rockets and stuff. It really, really is fun. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's also great because like you get some pretty funny lines from them. You like get freaking uh, nunchuck il- 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 lighting. like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like and of course, that's a reference to a Xena Warrior Princess, who of course <laughs> Lucy Lawless played, which is another fun reference there. <laughs> but yeah, Gru gives the stone to a nerdy minion named Otto, and he tells him to keep it safe while the rest of the vicious six continue to chase him. And I think my favorite part of the chase is where Gru just flips an entire van on the two of them. And again, it is really fun in general. So what happens is uh, Gru manages to make his escape. He gets home, and he tells the minions that, his six, that they have uh, stolen the Zodiac Stone. Then he tells Otto to present it, but it turns out Otto had managed to keep the stone for an incredibly long time through like all sorts of mishaps where he almost dropped it, he almost lost it in that. 
Then he traded to some kid for a pet rock. And that oh, is just like, well, he pulls out just like a stupid rock with googly eyes. It's like, I think what it is too is because it's the comedic, you know, setup of it. We have like an entire montage of like this minion trying desperately to keep this, you know, ancient medallion thing safe. And then he sees a kid with a pet rock and he's like, oh yeah, I'll take that. Here, take this. But yeah, oh, of man. course, uh, Gru is really upset about this, and he fires Gru's all the minions. We get a pretty fun gag with the minion DJ. He puts on a really sad song, like in response to this. You know, and all the other minions are sad. He just like oh. changes like the the dance song to like a sad song. Yeah, and then he puts on the freaking uh, pump up song again, and it's just... yeah, exactly, I love that exactly. bit. It's awesome. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, do a little dance, stand yeah. the dance. Like yeah, uh, exactly, Marshall one fifty one. Shout out to you for that one. But you, he, yeah. he constantly referenced that song in his, uh, some of his videos. It, nice, it's hilarious. Nice. Yeah, nice, nice. So anyway, uh, Gru storms out of the house in anger, but it turns out he was kidnapped by a uh, wild knuckles and his guards. Yeah, uh, I get back will to, uh, say about this. I will say about the scene, uh, the music that plays over it. Yeah, it's kind. <laughs> sorry. Mm, sorry, it's kind of unfitting, honestly, and it's kind of a mood whiplash yeah. compared to like the scene that happens. Like it kind of kills the immersion a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it it does, it does. That that's one of the things I will say is that the score of this movie can kind of be all over the place in a way, but it, it's probably a minor detail to be honest. But yeah, it I did notice works. that too. It yeah, for the most works. part. But yeah, Wild Knuckles basically demands the stone, and I like how a Gru basically nervously hands the pet rock to Wild Knuckles. His uh his guards basically dangle Gru over a balcony, and they decide to hold him ransom and force him to call his house. The minions are looking for Gru when he gets the phone call. Wild Knuckles basically tells them that they have two days to find the Zodiac Zone or he's going to kill Gru, which, you know, pretty dark. He's going to kill a kid. So, I mean, he is yeah. a villain. Also, yeah, exactly. funny thing about this scene, like, the same uh, like the same moment uh, Gru uh, freaking gets forced to try and tell them where the stone is, he's like, no, don't call my mother. She will literally sell me to you. Exactly. I forgot to mention I'm like, like good good catch. So that, that was a good Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that again is a gag that is really, really well done. But basically uh what happens is the other minions interrogate Ottawa as he tells them about the kid he traded with. Uh Kevin Stewart and Bob go to the kid, but it's revealed that he gave it to his uncle. Mm. Otto, meanwhile, sees that a random biker has the stone and attempts to chase him down. The minions, meanwhile, decide to go to an airport to fly to San Francisco and rescue Gru. Uh, quick call to, to that uh, bike scene. Honestly, yeah. it kind of makes me question what exactly uh, freaking uh, that kid's family is like. Because he's got him with the freaking head and the red head and whatnot. Then you got a freaking uh, African-American uncle, which raises so many questions. But okay. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, definitely can see that. But anyway, uh, yeah, the minions uh, go to the airport to uh, fly to San Francisco and rescue Gru. We then have a weird bit of an editing thing because it's the minions basically seeing a sign and then it cuts to the vicious six as they all climb into various vehicles and vow to get Gru on the Zodiac Stone again. 
But then we cut back to the minions arriving at the airport. It feels like it was slapped in, like, kind of haphazardly. Like, oh, we have to cut back to the Vicious Six because it's been too long without them. Whereas you probably literally could have just shown the minions uh, seeing the sign for the airport, then cutting to them getting off the bus to go to the airport, you know? It, it is something that does feel a little bit weird. Yeah, it definitely does feel a little bit weird. So yeah, what happens is the minions all arrive at the airport, and and a funny gag, they try to pay with like candy in their pockets, but oh, of course they're turned away by that. But then oh, they have absolutely. Idea. Yeah, they disguise themselves as pilots, and they sneak into the plane, and then of course they <laughs> attempt to fly the plane, and we get all kinds of uh, comedic hijinks. Stewart uh, basically getting flushed down the toilet, uh, Kevin nearly crashing the plane multiple t- times, and it God. is funny, <laughs> but it does seem very reminiscent of the movie Airplane to me. Like It, it did uh, remind me a lot of that. Like, like They were taking a lot from the movie Airplane. Like, the I mean... The guy, yeah. I he almost mean. knocks down the radio tower. I think that that happened in Airplane. Uh, I don't think they did, though. I'm not sure. I thought that happened. Like they they flew close to an airplane tower, and the, like uh, and they almost knocked it down. That did happen in an airplane. But regardless, uh, it is funny, though. It is funny. I, I will say, yeah. even if they did take a little bit from the movie Airplane, it does work out to its benefit. Also, uh, the also the scene, the only minion butt shot. Period. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. It's yeah. not like uh, they, they not like the last it. one. They absolutely did did show some restraint. That's up. Uh, wait. Yeah. Where? Are they? Oh, okay, that's fair on the minion yeah. part. But yeah. oh man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the movie, I mean, the jokes, for lack of a better term, are pretty funny. They're a guilty pleasure of mine. But yeah. <laughs> I, I can understand why. Believe me. Yeah. No. No. I get you. I get you. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I also like at the end where they finally land the plane and uh, Kevin's like, yeah, <laughs> and like. Freaking uh, Stewart comes out of the bathroom like pissed with like exactly yeah with, yeah like, toilet, blue toilet fluid is freaking goggles and like no no yeah again again it is really really well timed yo know? one thing Illumination does know is they do know how to do like a slapstick comedy in animation and make it work. So oh, yeah. the movie then uh, cuts to Wild Knuckles' lair. So he's impressed that Gru actually managed to steal from the Vicious Six. He then attempts to kill Gru by sticking him into a giant record that'll basically spin him round, baby, right round, to <laughs> paraphrase uh, the late, great uh, Pete Burns and Dead or Alive. But it also yeah. turns out that the record has saw blades coming out of it towards him at the exact same time. And it'll take him about uh, two days for this to kill him. And yeah. then uh, we then cut to Otto as he tr- continues to basically chase the biker while riding a tricycle. Through all different kinds of landscapes, then I think the funniest one is when he uh, jumps over like the uh, gorge in that. That that was a pretty good gag. Reminded me a little bit of, like uh, the Simpsons with Homer jumping the gorge. I want to do it. I want to do it. You know, it, it was almost like oh, that. You know? It does work out. Yeah, really, really well. And again, the animation is really well done. Like you get like a a first person shot of like a of a auto riding through all these different landscapes over time, and it's like a time lapsing, and it really is well done for a CG. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So then, uh, yep. So then, uh, Kevin Stewart and Bob manage to make it to a Wild Knuckles' lair, but his guards end up catching them, and they chase them all throughout the city. The minions make it to Chinatown, where they are basically beaten up by the guards. We get to see uh, Master Chow, who is an acupuncturist and a kung fu master. She sees this and basically fights off the men. The minions are all amazed by her, and they want to learn uh, kung fu. She tries to learn that. Yeah, basically, (laughs) or that too. 
She tries to tell them that she's retired, but they managed to convince her with cute faces. Now, <laughs> is like I said, it, this did remind me a lot though of Puss in Boots. I really, I saw it and I'm like, okay, that that's a little bit derivative. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I mean, I mean, well... it's like kind of, you know. Fair enough, but yeah, come yeah. on, it, it oh man, it yeah, yeah. how they go about doing it is honestly a little more unique compared to Puss in Boots. Let's play. I, it will, that I way. will say that. I will say that they they did do kind of a similar thing, but a unique way. Let's do it that way. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. We then cut to a Gru's mother holding a Tupperware party with all the minions, some of them wearing dresses. Which you know, <laughs> a pretty good day. I like um, the other gag about this scene that you know, one I didn't get is that she literally does not care one iota that her son is kidnapped you know that she's like you know oh my son's kidnapped who cares basically I mean, this is a woman who basically basically uh did not give a shit about whatever her son did like with the rocket to the moon the, the exactly. freaking macaroni model and exactly freaking oh man she took him to a freaking village she took him to a convention for super villains for crying out yeah. loud that's true, that, very, that very true. Kind of puts into question her validity as a mom, though the first movie does help edge out a little bit, so yep. I don't know. Yep. So basically, uh, Gru's mother is uh, uh, holding the Tupperware party before the Vicious Six rip off the roof and they demand to know where Gru is. It turns out that they've, they learn that uh, Wild Knuckles is alive and has Gru, and they go out to find the both of them. Uh, we got a pretty good gag with uh, his mother saying, you know, you're going to pay me for the roof. You know, she cares about that more than she cares about her son, which, you know, a pretty good gag. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, exactly. So now we got another montage with uh, the minions attempting to learn Kung Fu, but their training doesn't go very well. There's a, like I say, this montage is pretty cute. It has some uh, decent visual gags, but it feels... a. I, like I say, it, it's good, but I feel like it's probably the weakest of the montages just because some of those jokes have been done uh, a little bit before. I will say I did like probably my favorite was the uh, brick breaking one where, you know, uh, Stewart <laughs> can't do it. And he tries to, you know, break with his head. Then, you know, one of the others, uh, I think uh, Bob says, I was like, no, no. And then he picks up like Stewart. He starts using him as a hammer to try and break the boards. That something like just went so out of left field. I had to laugh uh, at that particular game. Oh uh, yeah, it it's funny, honestly. Yeah. Like it's not perfect, but come on, it, it's oh, it's no, pretty it's funny. It is funny. It is funny. Oh, it yeah. has some good moments. Yeah, yeah. There's a part where uh, they play Funky Town in order to train, but of course, Funky Town was released in 1980. Unless, of course, we're doing a you know Chuck and Marvin Barry from Back to the Future thing here, but so they did an original freaking track for this scene. So... Yeah, 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 that's true. So, uh, Wild Knuckles, his henchmen quit, which causes him to have to untie Gru and basically enlist his help in getting back the stone. We then cut back. We then cut to Otto again as we see him in the desert. He finally catches up to the biker who happily gives him the Zodiac Stone. Now, the biker in a very weird cameo. And when I looked this up, I was like kind of surprised. He's voiced by RCA of the Wu-Tang Clan. Huh? Yeah, I've yeah. heard like one song of the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, yeah. of the uh, freaking Wu-Tang Clan. And it's uh, We Ain't Came to Lose for TMNT Shards Revenge. Shout out. But, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. I, I've heard it. And honestly... They're pretty good. It's pretty great. It's pretty good songs. Yeah, yeah. But, like I say, it really is uh, interesting that they got him for this movie. And of course, uh, 
He's probably the uh, nicest character in the movie because he instantly gives Otto back the stone and he decides to, uh, they decide to uh, ride off together in a kind of a spoof of easy rider. And there's a lot of cute things like, uh, them wanting to see the world's largest banana and taking like photos off of by it. And that's it, a cute little montage kind of yeah, a spoof of easy rider, which is again, more of a sixties thing than a seventies thing, but it still works. Yeah, it's pretty great, honestly. Yeah. I like. I kind of want to see it a little, see a little more of that dynamic. I, do, yeah, I, too, yeah. I wouldn't mind if they made like a short film of just Otto and this biker guy just hanging out and doing stuff. Because oh, yeah, hell yeah. yeah, that would be really fun. Actually, just yeah. the montage of them making their way to San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so then, uh, Wild Knuckles has grew clean his pool, which turns out to be filled with crocodiles. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Live and Let Die with the crocodile farm, which might have been intentional. Wild Knuckles attempts to fight them off before he gets caught in one of their mouths and uh, Gru has to save him. Wild Knuckles is impressed by Gru and the fact that, you know, he actually would risk his life to save him. And he decides to help uh, teach Gru more about how it is to be a uh, good villain. Sadly, we do not get to hear the song uh, Villain Number One, or rather, We Are Number One, but kind of everything. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, I, I didn't yeah. fully expect that song to be referenced in this yeah, movie. Yeah. All right, the, uh, step on. Legend, legend. Where? But yeah, getting back to this, uh, what happens is we cut back to more of the minions learning Kung Fu as we get another montage of it. And again, this is funny, too, how they actually, you know, learn it and... Uh, this I feel does have slightly better gags with in the, in my opinion, but the, the yeah. both of the montages are still really really well done. After okay. a while, it turns out that uh, Chow says they're ready, which causes the minions to think that they're ready to battle. It turns out that they're only ready to get their like junior learner badges and that they're doomed. <laughs> yep. Oh man, just yeah. seeing her see her students go off haphazardly and just be like they're doomed. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It really does work out for the best. And uh, she's actually played by uh, Michelle Yeoh, who, of course, uh, everything, every, everything Everywhere I'd Want, she's best known for doing that. She was uh, in Tomorrow Never Dies. A lot, a lot of great movies. You know, she really, really... She, uh, no, but I'm... I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, she's a really, really good actor, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> she was in Everything, Everywhere, All at Freaking Once. Yep, yep. She won, <laughs> she won Best Actress for it. Okay, then. That yeah, is... Yeah. Wow! Talked to my sister for that one, but oh my gosh! Yep. So anyway, I've seen uh, it. It's weird. It's weird. I'll tell you that much. I haven't seen all of it, but I've heard it's uh, pretty good. By the way, getting back to this movie, uh, yep. Wild Knuckles takes Gru to the bank, and then he uh, sneaks into the bathroom to uh, take them to the bank of evil. And one thing I do like again is the continuity. How the head of the bank is the exact same one from Despicable Me, and he has a picture of Vector on his desk. Is like uh, you know. Uh, as like almost an infant in that, and Gru instantly doesn't like Vector, which of course <laughs> ties into their relationship in the first Despicable Me. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And it works here because keep in mind that Gr Vector is younger than Gru, but he's still relatively an older person, as it yeah, were. exactly. Despite you know oh, yeah. still being younger and somewhat of his prime. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, we get a really neat uh, heist sequence with uh, Wild Knuckles uh, faking a heart attack. Gru runs to the vault and uses his sticky hand to steal the vault keys. Gru manages to steal the uh, Mona Lisa from the vault, and uh, Wild Knuckles commends him. And they're going to be like a team, which it really does feel so like, you know, almost heartwarming in a way how Wild Knuckles is like the father that Gru never really had. 
Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Especially compared to Gru's real father, who... Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We then cut to uh, outside uh, at night, whereas Kevin, Stewart, and Bob attempt to break into Wild Knuckles' house yet again, now with their kung fu skills. A cute little reference that they're all dressed like uh, Bruce Lee in Game of Death, which, you know, cute reference. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. uh, they all managed to infiltrate the mansion, but then the vicious six managed to invade and destroy the house with the minions just barely managing to escape. Otto, meanwhile, ends up going to Chinatown, which is, of course, beginning their New Year's festivities with uh, the biker dropping him off there. Then we get to see a pretty good uh, poignant scene, which uh, Wild Knuckles and Gru return home only to find it completely destroyed. And Wild Knuckles, at this point, he completely gives up because he knows that he's basically old and alone and he he has almost absolutely nothing in his life because all his friends betrayed him and now he literally has, he has no henchmen, he has no friends, he's an old man and he just, he feels like he wasted his life, basically. And Gru tries to get uh, Wild Knuckles' spirit up by uh, telling him that he could be his new partner, but of course Wild Knuckles chooses not to listen. And he basically uh, tells Gru to uh, get out of there, basically. Mm, yeah. We then, get to, yep. we then get to see uh, Gru riding the cable car through San Francisco before seeing Otto in Chinatown. Gru reunites with uh, Otto, and the Otto gives him the uh, Zodiac Stone. He plans on giving it to uh, Wild Knuckles. Just as he's about to leave, we get to see the Vicious Six show up first and uh, steal the stone. And now uh, the Anti-Villain League, of course, shows up, and they're planning on arresting the uh, Vicious Six. But of course, the powers of the stone begin to work. As it turns out, it's New Year's. And then we get a really cool uh, sequence with the uh, zodiac animals, all uh, the spirits all rising up out of the stone, and they all hit them as they begin to transform. And the first one we get to see to transform is uh, Bell Bottoms. Is get to see a uh, scales overtake her face, and the fluff of like her uh, '70s uh, coat becomes like her Eastern dragoness hair in a way. Although we don't get to see a full on-screen transformation, which kind of is a shame, it is a really, really fun sequence. Oh, and, hell yeah. And it's brilliant. Get... Yeah, it's yeah. honestly really amazing because stuff like this, the Zodiac Stone as, a, as both a concept and like a plot device, just, oh man, it's amazing. Especially here. And especially oh, yeah. with Bell Bottoms, as we'll no doubt see. Yep, and yep, we get to see the others uh, take on more animal characteristics as well. And here is the reason why we're covering this movie, because Belle is revealed to be a truly gigantic uh, Eastern dragoness, basically. And one of the few female Eastern dragonesses that I've seen, and I really like how the colors of her scales are the same colors of her outfit. That is such a nice touch that they didn't have to do, and I'm really glad that they did. As yeah. well as just basically her her smug superiority as a human still comes across as a dragoness. And... And what happens is, uh, the anti, the, uh, basically the other animals, uh, all the other, uh, sorry, the other members of the uh, vicious six also turn to animals as they attack the uh, anti-villain league with all of their uh, new abilities. Don Claude becomes a monkey. Uh, yeah. becomes a tiger. Uh, freaking uh, stronghold becomes a goddamn bull, and yeah. Nunchuck becomes, becomes a serpent, a snake, which yeah. is honestly kind of freaking uh, fitting given. When you think it's like, a, and again, you think it's like again a nun becoming a giant snake. That's something like, oh yeah, that's ironic because you now Satan was a snake too. <laughs> yeah, you'd think and that, which honestly, yeah. though, 
It could be because no, it doesn't just become a snake actually. Yeah, yeah full on cobra. Which... That's true. That's true. Yeah, which is, again, <laughs> that's funny joke is it's like again the nuns have it like the cobra's thing. That's not a really funny joke. But then we get something that again really really uh makes uh, bell bottoms enjoyable for me, especially your dragoness form. The fact that she's able to talk in as a dragoness and she still yes. keeps her personality and everything like that. That is just. So good to see, especially considering that a lot of Dragonist transformations don't have that at all, and it's kind of a shame. But here, we get to see her and her smug personality, excuse me, which again, works out really, really to her benefit. And uh, I love how, uh, basically, uh, she, Gru tries to get away, but she uh, catches him with her tail, and then basically coils him in her uh, you know, noodle body, which is a fun little detail. She then decides to kill Gru by having his limbs ripped apart by a clock's hand, which, yeah. okay, that's that's kind of brutal right there. Yep. It is brutal, even for a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah exactly, she, exactly. that's because she is brutal. She is a villain above yeah. all else. So exactly, basically, exactly. that's definitely in character for her. Also, definitely, definitely. as a little bit of a side note, she is an ebony... She's an African-American female yep. that became a dragon, and... As the movie no doubt shows somewhat, she still possesses some of that booty. So basically, yeah, yeah she, she is, she is thick. Yep, yep, she yes, is. Yes, that's, that's uh, another detail. I was uh, pretty fun, but yeah, the minions then arrive, and Belle decides she says something like to the effect of, "Let's make it a fair fight," and she uses it to turn Stuart, Bob, and Kevin into a chicken, a bunny, and a ram. And I like that Belle's smugness and love of being a dragoness is one of the best parts of it, that she truly enjoys this new form of her more than anything else. And oh, again, yeah. it is a lot of fun. She then uh, shoots flame at them as the minions run for their lives. Wild Knuckles then shows up and wanting to protect Gru and threatens to fight off the rest of the uh, vicious six. The I minions show <laughs> Yep. But then the minions, of course, uh, show up to back up Wild Knuckles. Not all the minions, sadly, just uh, Kevin, Stewart, and Bob. We then get a really uh, uh, cool close-up on uh, Belle, and we get to see here something that's really amazing. The animators took the time to render all of her scales. She must have, like, hundreds of thousands of them on her body, and they actually rendered it for, like, this uh, close-up shot. Which... Hey, now it's Disney. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Now we get to see how the Vicious Six and uh, Wild Knuckles and the Minions all fight each other as Belle shoots flame at them. Another nice touch with, again, uh, always is a plus in my book. Uh, after uh, Belle breeds fire, she uh, puffs out smoke from her nostrils, which, again, it's something that's so inconsequential, but it is a lot of fun that they do that, you know? That yeah. They remember it, the detail. A, yeah, she knows she's a dragon. She knows she's a villain. She is a villain dragon, and details like that make it worth it. Exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the minions turn out to be overpowered at first, before Kevin is the first one to remember their kung fu training, and they use it to their advantage to get away from the uh, members. We get a really funny gag with uh, basically Bob shooting eggs at a nunchuck, and then uh, one of them passes into a that. tiny baby chick. That That is fun. And then, uh, you know, uh, nunchuck eats it because he's a giant snake. Then Bob basically karate kicks her in the face and it frees the uh, chick. That, that again, is the moment that is just so funny. It, it really is, you know? For those of you out there who are no doubt going to be screaming at us like, It's not Bob, it's Stuart! 
I'm sorry, sorry. I share your pain. I share your pain, people. It, I share your pain. I'm it's sorry. Okay. My apology. My apology. It's all it's, good. It's, it's, all right. it's hard for me to tell them apart sometimes. I'm mean, my apologies. Yeah, my apologies. I, I, I can easily tell them apart. Like the yeah. movie helped uh, get their dynamic out uh, in the first movie, which helps greatly. But yeah. <laughs> Yep. I'm not. I'm not normally a stickler about that, but that's just me. Anyways. Yep. So anyway, uh, Wild Knuckles uh, grabs onto Belle's tail and he runs up her body while the minions try to uh, distract her. Then we get to see Otto trying to help save the day too. He sneaks up the clock tower to rescue Gru, but he's grabbed by uh, Jean Claude. But then Gru is revealed to have gotten out of the ropes and he saves uh, Otto by basically beating Jean Claude with the clock hand. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yep, Wild Knuckles is still uh, climbing on uh, Bell's uh, elongated body. He yeah. attempts to take the Zodiac Stone, but uh, Bell tosses him in the air, and then she sets him on fire, which, of course, is being a kid's movie. It doesn't exactly kill him, but it still is. It's Again, brutal. It shows how, yeah, it shows how the Vicious Six are not like the... Uh, Gru is a villain, but he's not an actively malicious villain. Or in like fact, even Wild Knuckles, uh, yeah. he wasn't actively malicious, malicious in a way. Although he did try to go, he did try to uh, kill Gru rather. But he, even so, he isn't as bad as the Vicious Six. They're depicted it's, as being like the uh, worst of the worst that are only in it for themselves, for the money, and for the glory. Yeah, they don't yeah. care who they hurt in their process. Yeah, it's also very interesting to note that this was the movie that somewhat cemented the seed of Gru basically becoming a sort of villain buster. I mean, think about it. Every single movie that he's in, for the most part, he's been busting villains. It all started with freaking, uh, what's her face? Oh, yeah, Scarlet Overkill. And then, and now there's a six, exactly. Yeah, like, this kid is quite the interesting anti-hero, all things considered. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they already started with uh, this one. So basically, yeah. the uh, Vicious Six all try to attack Gru, but the minions all blast them back with their uh, kung fu powers. <laughs> Gru gets a hold of the uh, Zodiac Sword. He turns the Vicious Six into rats. So yeah. basically, this movie and the witches by uh, basically have the uh, exact same denouement. The villains turn into mice. wonder how many yeah. other times this has happened in movies. Also, Blood Mella. Ta- yeah, reverse Blood Mella. Yeah, yeah. In a way, in a way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Basically, <laughs> yeah. uh... Gru is amazed with the minions and the fact they saved the day. He allows them to work for him again, and then we get to see them, uh, him embrace them in a really nice scene. The oh, anti-villain yeah. league uh, capture the vicious six who are now rats, and we get to see like the uh, rat version of Bell Bombs angrily squeak at her uh, companions, which is a pretty fun uh, gag. We then get to see a wild knuckles carried out on a stretcher, <laughs> and it turns out that the anti-villain league is planning to arrest him. We then cut to a graveyard as you get to see a villain held for Wild Knuckles. But then it's revealed that he's still alive but hiding from a tree, and Gru vows to be the best villain ever in honor for uh, Wild Knuckles. Uh, the minions all sing, and we get to see Kevin, uh, Stewart, and Bob fumble with the coffin, and it turns out the coffin is filled with bananas and a pretty funny gag. Oh, yeah. Surprisingly, little amount of bananas in this movie for a Minions uh, property. There was yeah. the uh, giant banana in the desert, and then there's this, and that's really it, surprisingly. Yeah, also, this basically has my best, has the best rendition of uh, the Rolling Stones. Can't always get what you want, in my exactly. opinion. Yep, yep. Um, exactly. Sorry exactly. to interrupt, but I gotta leave here. So oh, good, so good. Up, right. Yep, I'm still here. 
So okay, it's okay. Uh, 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 yeah, okay. Python. All Give us your uh, rating and uh, give us uh, your uh, yeah, choice. In a, in a little while. In a little while. It's all yeah, good. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So all right. So yeah. Uh, basically, uh, Wild Knuckles then decides to take Gru under his wing as he and the minions all drive home. And it's here where we get to see again a nice thing of how Gru became the way he is. The movie yeah. ends with a mid-credits scene with criminal records going out of business now that the Vicious Six are no longer there. Yep. And Gru, having remembered Dr. Nefario, hires him to uh, work for him. And then they all fly off in uh, his flying car, which is the one that uh, Gru would eventually get as the movie ends. Oh, and also, also another thing about that uh, scene, yep. they do the freaking... You know the rule of threes in comedy? Yeah, I think this movie did it great with the whole pleading eye thing, like especially with that chicken yeah. man. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. yeah, that that is the uh, yeah that that is the way that uh, it really saves that running gag. You're absolutely right with that. The freaking absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It really, really does. So basically, uh, Minions: Rise of Gru was a gigantic, enormous success commercially, oh, yeah. and it got pretty good reviews. It probably is one of my favorites of the Despicable Me movies, just for how inventive it was. It probably would be like the first Despicable Me, and then this actually might be my second favorite. I'm not going to lie. I really, really enjoy this. I enjoy this a lot more than I expected to, be just because how inventive it is and how much fun it was. And of course, lest we forget, there was the uh, gentle minions meme, where people showed up to the movie dressed in their finest, which, you know, pretty funny for, I guess, uh, five minutes and that, like in most well, memes. Well, dang! It's all. It's also also uh, another little ending thing. They show like uh, this like uh, sort of kidified, uh, soft style uh, drawings of like uh, Gru and the minions just doing a bunch of stuff as kids. Like I, I like the little. Yeah, I like the little uh, kiss thing that they did for the talent show. Uh, the whole uh, Stuart running on the freaking uh, Chinese table with. Uh, Michelle Yeoh's character there, and I think my favorite has to be the Halloween episode or the Halloween moment where like Gru is dressed up as uh, Wilder Willy Wonka with a bunch of the uh, with the minions basically being Oompa Loompa. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that was so funny. It really, really was. Oh yeah, and it also shows them just like it also shows Gru running off like he, <laughs> and then it just yeah. shows the freaking minions just like with not only candy but like a freaking. TV. Oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's also very yeah. cute that they did the whole arm folding thing with like Gru with like his devilish smirk. It's like sitting there folding and the minions just like do it as well. It's, it's, this movie is just so charming. It like, is. You're just having a lot of fun with this. I wouldn't say it's in my top five. I mean, it's probably in my top five, honestly, but. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this movie a lot more than I honestly really, really did. did too. But mm. yep, now it is time for the uh, question of the week, which is, what is your favorite Illumination Entertainment movie as a whole? Now oh, I'm boy. probably gonna give the uh, obvious answer here. Uh, forgive me if I do. Uh, I'm probably gonna go with the uh, Super Mario movie because it really feels like that was the one movie where they really, really got everything like really tightly controlled. There wasn't a missed moment. There was. A lot of great references to the game, so still being its own thing. I mean, you have Jack Black as Bowser. I mean, hello, the Peaches song is absolutely hilarious and amazing. And it really, really worked out. I will say one little criticism I have, and it it, it is kind of took me out a little bit. Chris Pratt as Mario was just, 
I don't know. I get what they were trying to do with it. I, I, they weren't trying to do like Charles Martinet, like, woohoo, here we go. Although they did have Martinet in the movie, which very touching. I'm so glad they got him in there. But yeah, I feel yeah. like, Who I don't know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I feel like Chris Pratt's Mario, it, it didn't really feel like the character a lot. I mean, granted, he still did a good job with it, and he is supposed to be Mario, and he does a good job in some moments, but other moments when I'm watching him, I just think he doesn't feel like Mario the character, and I get it. It's supposed to be his first time in the Mushroom Kingdom with the Toads, with Peach, etc., but I don't know. It To me, it just feels like they could have gotten somebody else, I feel, because, and again, Danny McBride did a good job as Luigi, but I just feel like, I don't know, for Mario in particular, there was a way you could have done it, and it could have worked a little bit better. I'm not saying, again, he, he did a bad performance, not at all, but I just feel like it could have been a little bit better, a little mm. bit better. But it wasn't this, Seth Rogen did a very good job as Donkey Kong. I give him credit for that, too. Oh, yeah, he is noted. Thank you, and Kia's toad. But yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh. He he did that. That was a really, really good version too. And you you know they're gonna make a sequel. And if they do make a sequel, uh, uh, two things. Number one, they have to have Wario in it. And number two, it would be great if they actually referenced the Super Mario Bros. Two with like Subcon or Wart or something like that. Uh, yeah, that would be very oh interesting. Yeah. It would also be interesting to uh, see other lesser-known characters from throughout the Mario series, like oh, definitely, stuff from definitely. Mario and Luigi, maybe Paper Mario. Who knows, I don't really? know if they do Paper Mario, but I would like to see, like, maybe, like, Luigi or, like, even Daisy would be cool to see. And yeah. what's the other thing? It definitely did Mario justice after the uh, 1993 movie, which isn't a bad movie, mind you. I and mean, we had an episode on that, so check it out <laughs> yeah. if you haven't seen it, but... A bit of plugging there, but basically, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a good Mario movie. And I feel like the Illumination Mario movie is probably the best animated Mario movie that you could ask for in this day and age. Oh, and yeah. like I say, there's also the uh, Mario OVA from the 80s, which is a lot of fun. If you haven't seen that, I also recommend that. But yeah, yeah that's gonna be my pick for my favorite uh, Illumination movie. It's gonna be the uh, Super Mario Bros. movie. So, uh, Angron, what is going to be your pick uh, for your favorite uh, Illumination movie? To answer that particular question, a relatively quick top five. Oh, Number five, the Lorax. Right. I think I'm the only person in this universe who will actively defend some of the things the modern Lorax does. Not to say that the uh, deleted scenes and concept art and even biggering, the, the song that we were robbed of was amazing. But yeah. Oh, uh oh. Someone's gone. Oh, boy. That's not good. Okay, it's all good. Uh, okay. Continue, continue. Uh, it's Jordan, actually. Oh, continue, continue. Go ahead. Okay. Continue. Yeah. I, I, do, I do like the Lorax. I uh, watched it when it came out in theaters. It was fun. Number four. This, the Minions and freaking uh, Minions 2, The Rise of Gru. I can't really rank them separately because they're honestly, it's just the. It's just the prequel to Despicable Me, and the minions are just being minions. What more is there to really say? Number three, Despicable Me. I mean, come on. It was the movie that pretty much cemented Illumination as what it is for both better and worse. Who Honestly, where they go from there, who knows? But honestly, I haven't really hated what uh, Despicable Me ultimately uh, did, with, uh, did for Illumination. And... Yeah. Anyways, number two, 
you all are probably going to hate me for this. Sting and Sting 2. I'm sorry. I love those. The, initially, they were going to be my number one. Oh, wait. No, I think I might have goofed up on something. Okay. okay so reverse. Number three. Mm-hmm. Sting and Sting 2. A little thought was given when I ultimately uh, tackled them in the past. However, I will say that despite being the most cliche freaking jukebox musical possibly ever, I'm sorry. I loved it. Sing two of the less so, but come on. The music's great. The characters are very much relatable in spite of being cookie cutter. And, oh man, Scarlett Johansson singing made it worth it. Also, yeah, oh, end. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Also, the only two films Matthew McConaughey was in uh, that I can ultimately say with confidence, he does not suck. Nope. Number two. The Mario movie. Some of your criticisms are correct. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think Chris Pratt's Mario was bad. Honestly, the whole Brooklyn thing with like the Super Mario Bros. Super Show thing, it was funny. And also the other stuff was really great. Jack Black as Bowser, Key as Toad, just, just all the attention to detail they did with the Mario movie was awesome. Also, the opening scene is just forever stuck in my head. Do you yield? <laughs> oh, <man>. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. But yeah. Also, also Danny McBride is freaking Luigi. Honestly, that ain't a bad pick. All things considered. Now then, number one might honestly be a little bit of an expected pick, but I will say, hands down. Migration's fine. It's not perfect. And honestly, later I might rake it down to number two. But for now, Migration. Taika, it's, oh man, Taika Waititi in this movie was great. Like, there's no bad characters, and some of the moments were a little iffy. But I'm sorry, it's really adorable. Like, the family here isn't actual family for the most part. I really enjoyed a lot of the characters. Just had some surprisingly dark moments, uh, like one or two, more or less. But, um, but man, this movie was amazing. It's a recent movie, and also, oh, man, I have a lot I want to say about this movie, but that would be kind of going into spoiler territory, which I'm not going to do. You go check it out for yourself. Tech OIT is finding this. Uh, Pam is easily one of the best moms in uh, media. Thank you, Illumination. And... Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Next! Nice, uh, nice. So, uh, yeah, Striker, what would you say is uh, your favorite uh, Illumination Entertainment movie? I actually completely forgot about this movie for a while until I looked up a list of their movies. Um, The Secret Life of Pets. Oh yeah, that movie. <laughs> I I don't know why. I just I found it really fun, actually. <laughs> just yeah, it, 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 fun moments too. It's just animals being animals, and just oh my gosh, that fight scene with uh, the pom pom um, going yeah, against all those animals. Part. It's a fun one. The sequel was kind of underwhelming, but the first one I will it admit was. does have its moments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's because I have like a. I have a bit of a special connection to this movie because sometimes um, I uh, I watch it with my folks whenever it's on TV. Nice. Especially nice. the first one. Um, 
I mean, sure, Harrison Ford was in the sequel, but, like, it's not the same. Yeah, uh, it's a freaking lit Yeah, yeah, I can definitely oh, see yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, um, uh, Jordan has written to me. She said that her favorite Illumination movie is also uh, the Super Mario Bros. movie. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Honestly, and, uh, it's it's expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably the change... one that most people would expect, yeah. Honestly, I might change mine to the Super Mario movie. I like Migration, oh, good. but yeah, Mario movie, hands down. Oh, good. So, yeah, like I said, um, also, Evie, what would you have to say is your favorite uh, Illumination Entertainment uh, movie? I was, I was pickled me once, and that was... Nope, it's all good. And I do not remember it. I cannot tell you a thing about it. Nice <laughs> I'll bet. Ain't that good. Yep. Well, I see, but uh, it's all right. So, yep. yep, That now it's time for the uh, patent-pending Dragonus skill, and we're going to yeah. rank uh, Bell today. Now, this is going to be really, really hard, because there is a lot of stuff I like about her. A lot, a lot of stuff. I mean, she oh, yeah. really picks, like, almost all the boxes. I, I don't know about a perfect 10. I very, very much am conflicted, because... Again, she has everything, everything perfect. The the personality, the voice, the whole dragonous nature, that kind of thing. It mm. really, really does work out to the best. But I really, uh, it, it does feel, and but again, she does get a lot of good time. It, it is really, really difficult. But in all honesty, I really, I don't know if I can give her a 10. I really, really want to. But actually, you know what? I actually, uh, call me crazy. I might actually give her a 10. This is the first 10 I think that a Dragonus has gotten in a very, very long time. For me, anyway. And, yeah, it's because of this that, uh, aside, of course, from Gertie, but, yeah, getting back to Belle, I really think that she has no flaws. I mean, she really does not have any flaws as a, you know, character, as a Dragonus, you know, with the design, with the voice, with the uh, overall, Everything. you know, characteristics, you know, even the little details, like, uh, kind of an implied transformation sequence. Okay, it's not a full one, but what we did get of it with her, you know, her face morphing from a human one into a dragon snout and her uh, slowly getting taller and taller, even that is really, really well done. I I cannot believe this. I cannot find any fault with her at all. I'm I'm giving her a perfect score. So, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think I'll agree with that because, like, Right. I I can't I can't tell you how perfect a villain she is too. Exactly, oh, yeah. exactly, and it does fit. And it's a villain transformation into a dragoness, but she still keeps herself, and that again is a really really huge boost. That that, that yeah, actually kind of makes her uh, just a tiny bit better than Ludmilla. Uh, wow, wow. Well, we'll talk more about that when we get Times. Uh, when we redo our Ludmilla episode right. uh, in the future. Yep. So, Ambron, what would you have to give her? Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with a ten out of ten again. Wow. She's wow. empty. She's a dragon. She got yeah. a little bit of thickness. No, yep, no yep. judging. But yep. oh my gosh, this yep. not not just her design, not just those facts, but just overall the character and impact she has as a story is hands down amazing. It's just man, I. The only other, if the only really real complaint I have is I want to see more of her, uh, she deserved more time, then that speaks volumes to how effective she was as a villain in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Def, definitely, definitely. Uh, Evie, what would you have to give her? 
Wow, wow. Nice. Unfortunately, this uh, 10 train is coming to a uh, halt because Jordan uh, says that she is going to give uh, Bell Bottoms an 8 out of 10. She's not mm. listening to her reasons why, but that's still a really, really high score. I think that's one of the uh, highest scores that a Dragonist has had uh, on the podcast at all, to be honest. And oh, yeah, yeah no. wow, that really is something else. Shows how well Illumination Entertainment did with her. Oh, yeah. And that's a freaking lovely. Shout yep. out to you, Chris. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Yep. So, yep. Uh, That'll be it for this week. If you have any questions or if you want to send us a year of the dragon greetings, you can feel free to email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 1983 uh, OVA Serendipity the Pink Dinosaur. Uh, It's going to be interesting for the person who worked on it, which we'll talk about in the episode. We'll keep that kind of a surprise. But Mm. that's going to be it for this week. And until then, take care. Laters. Happy Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year. Adios. Happy Year of the Dragon, everyone. Adios.